Breakdown. What's up, everybody? Coulter Nuanez, SkylineSportsMT.com. Coming to you here the first week of December. And we got two teams from the Big Sky Conference left in the FCS playoffs. Montana State will host William & Mary Friday night. Sacramento State will host Incarnate Word on Friday. Another two quarterfinal games include Holy Cross playing at South Dakota State. That's a Saturday game. And Sanford playing at North Dakota State. That's also a Friday game. So three of the four FCS playoff games will be on Friday and then on Saturday. Saturday, you have the one game featuring the top-seeded Jackrabbits. We will have a few different things for you here in this podcast. First of all, Brooks Nuanas joins us to talk about the Big Sky Coaching Carousel. It's been a whirlwind, all of the different movements so far uh, throughout the Big Sky Conference. Four different jobs came open. Two of them are already closed. Northern Colorado and Cal Poly have lost and hired new coaches. Idaho State still remains open, as does Weber State. We got to all of that with both Brooks Nuanas and Ty Gregorak. Plus, give you a breakdown of Montana State's 33. 325 win over Weber State. Montana's 49-26 loss and give you a preview of what's coming up in these quarterfinals. We'll also share a few of our interviews for the week. Usually we have an analysis podcast and an interviews podcast, but this week we're putting them all together because it's a short week with all those games coming up on Friday. So we'll also hear from Sac State running back Cameron Scadaboo, who's the Big Sky Conference Offensive Player of the Year this last year. and He's got the Hornets into the Final Eight for the first time in their school's history. We'll also share interviews with Isaiah Fonse, All-American running back from Montana State, and we'll share my analysis piece with Dave Wooten from our Blue and Gold Thursdays spot on K-Sky Country, as well as our Bobcat pregame tailgate show uh, on K-Sky. So appreciate Dave for always having me, so we'll share that with you as well. Big Sky Breakdown presented by J&V Restaurant Supply, your home for everything kitchen, town pump, Montana's best, keeping us fueled up all football season long. Nick Tabor, Westpac Wealth, helping make your life more tax efficient. Opportunity Bank, your local bank, your opportunity. John Velk at Velk Law. If you've been in a car accident that wasn't your fault, John is a go-to guy for any sort of representation. And also have to th- say thank you to Blackfoot Communications. Blackfoot Communications helping you connect to more. Big Sky Breakdown, Brooks Nuanas. Around and around we go. The carousel is spinning rapidly now it seems like this time of year we always have uh, coaching changes across college football but um, some pretty abrupt ones this last two weeks or so in the big sky conference only because no matter what the situation is you always think that a coach is going to have two three years two three four years uh, to to build and the other thing is though we've had now four head coaching jobs out of the 12 big sky conference football programs come open in the last couple weeks not one of the guys got fired. We still don't know what happened with Ed McCaffrey in Northern Colorado. Mutual parting of ways. I don't think he wanted to to come back even if they didn't even if he was released of his duties. They still they still uh, definitely uh I, I don't think either side is sad about it. But then Charlie Raggle bails for Arizona State after a year at Idaho State. Bo Baldwin bails at Cal Poly after a couple of years at uh, Cal Poly. And then uh, the news of the day yesterday, Jay Hill out at Weber State. He's headed to BYU as the defensive coordinator. There's a lot of different whys to all this. Uh, but I think that there's, uh, you know, I think that as we continue to march on here covering college football, I think what we've seen no matter what level of football or what conference you're talking about, I think we've seen a couple things. I think we've seen an accentuation of money uh, and how much money there is and how much of a priority money is across the, the gamut because it is truly now a defined for-profit business, college football is. And then I also think we've seen 
a stratification. It, it, it goes back to my my now pretty uh, consistent theory that there's no such thing as okay quarterbacks anymore. I just really don't think that there's that such thing as really like okay teams, and it also seems like there's not a lot of there's not a lot of validity or even point to being an okay team. And we saw it in the Big Sky this year. You're either like a playoff team or you were just bad. The only kind of okay teams were like Northern Arizona and UC Davis. And even UC Davis could probably be categorized as good. They just had a tough schedule. So, you know, you're either really good or you're really bad. And I think that that also has an influence on it because you just see how far away you are. But, um, you know, Raggle out at Idaho State didn't surprise me, even though it was only a one and done because he's just a – a loose cannon. He's just a, he was just a mercurial guy. Uh, Ed McCaffrey was the least surprising thing in the world. Bo Baldwin was surprising to me to leave a head coaching job to go take the coordinator job at Arizona State. And you know, even though you would have characterized Jay Hill as only a matter of time, uh, it still was surprising. I thought, um, but you also can understand because I think that Jay, Coach Hill knew he he had done probably all he can at Weber State. I mean, you're talking. Five ten win seasons, five Big Sky titles. I mean, there's been never been anybody that's uh, the better a, a better head coach at Weber State. So, uh, what'd you think of all this crazy coaching carousel stuff? It's Big Sky breakdown, by the way. Uh, hey, Brooks Duana is joining us here on the Big Sky breakdown. What'd you think of all the crazy coaching carousel stuff the last two weeks in the Big Sky? I'm right there with you on on your evaluation of it. Um, you know, I think Coach Baldwin is a coordinator. I don't really see him as a head coach. You know, I've always really enjoyed him. Love talking football with him. Uh, you know, innovative scheme and, and really knows how to coach it up, but he's just not really like a culture builder. Uh, uh, you know, he did he did that at Eastern, so I, I can't say he's not. I just, I've always seen him more comfortable in a coordinator role, and I think that he probably feels that about himself too. And you get to a certain spot in your career where you still have juice, but you don't, your your time with all that juice may be running, you know, a little bit, the, the, the sand is through, is through the prism a little bit more than it was before. And you want to, you know, take some of your best years and do what you love doing. Um, I don't think that building Cal Poly from the, you know, eight feet below the, the, the ground, it wasn't even ground level, it was below the ground, all the way to a winning program, which would have taken, you know, five, six years. I mean, it would have taken a while. We always say, you know, three years you can turn a program around. That was a longer rebuild, and I just don't know if that's what he wanted at this point of his career. So I understand it. Um uh, you know, Charlie Ragle at Idaho State was never going to last. That program is going to really have to do some soul searching. Ed McCaffrey, you know, same kind of deal. That was a that was a one and done at best, and it somehow got two years long for no reason. Uh, both parties happy, I agree. Jay Hill was super surprising to me. You can't turn down a million dollars a year when you're making a quarter mil. Someone offers you four times more. You got to take it. So I understand that part. Uh, that's life-changing money. That's the you know that's the kind of thing that sets up you know generations of families and and stuff like that. So I respect uh, Coach Hill for his time in the Big Sky. I think it was pretty darn impressive. Um, I know that he wanted you know Montana and Montana State. Uh, both those head coaching vacancies in the last couple of years, he was interested in to say the least. Um, especially at Montana State, everyone that everything that we know is that he was in Bozeman and and, and talking to folks and and maybe even asking for the job. So. Not surprised that he wants to continue to climb a ladder, um, whatever that ladder looks like. Wish him the best. Uh, it'll be interesting to see what Weber can do. As you mentioned, Coulter, he took him to a pretty high spot. Can they sustain that? And can they even go higher? I don't know, man. I mean, it's what he did there is pretty impressive. So uh, cheers and, and much love to Coach Hill. 
and this is the part that I, you know, I I'm so cynical about it, and it, it is hard to to stay, you know, positive because when you're realistic about just the way that it all works, and you know the ins and outs of the way it all works, uh, I mean, money rules all in college football, man. Like, it's not just that I'm not talking about just these guys leaving to go to Power Five jobs for the salaries. It's everything else too. Like now we've drawn this line in the sand and it's all about money in recruiting. It's all about the money you have to get guys, to keep guys, to pay them for NIL deals, to recruit them out of the portal. All of it has to do with money. And so we're going to see this direct stratification in business. The, the, the business with the most capital, the most spending power is going to have a huge advantage over its competition in said same business. So then how how on earth is there not going to be how on earth is there going to be anything besides just a just linear ranking of competition, right? Like how on earth is there going to be anybody that can ever break through at any level of college football that isn't just the richest of the rich? Well, programs and culture and I think it's about more than that. I mean, you're right, but that's just low-hanging fruit. I mean, that's just like, you know, I think that there is absolutely ways that teams can can overcome. Let me ask you this. In what world or what scenario would have to play out for Cal Poly to be good again? Let alone, you know, Idaho State and Northern Colorado, I don't know how they ever are going to be good. How is, how is Cal – they've never been good. That's right. That's right. That's right. But how has Cal Poly ever become good again? You get Clemson's transfer quarterback. Why not? Why doesn't he go to Davis? They have boosters. There's so much money out there. If you want to be good, you can be good. Any school who wants to be good. Does Northern Colorado have someone who has you know a million dollars in their pocket that they want to spend on that program? Maybe not. But does UC Davis? I bet they do. I bet they do. I'll say it like this. If you can have all the money in the world and suck... You can have no money and be good. It's the same thing. Clemson has all the culture, all the money, all the coaching. They suck. Right. Texas. Texas. Oklahoma. The whole Big 12. Except <laughs> Kansas State. You think Kansas, who's, I mean, come on. If Kansas State, you think that in Manhattan they're just dishing out NIL, NIL deals that are worth what, what Caleb Williams is getting in Southern California? No. Does USC want to play Kansas State? Absolutely not. Get ran. That's that's culture. I mean, that's just they've they've created that culture. Does TCU have as much money as Texas A and M, or Texas or Oklahoma? Guess who wants to play TCU? None of those schools. Yeah. So I think if you can have one, you can have the other. Bama and Georgia and these teams—they're never going backwards. That's true. In the Big Sky, you can get dudes. You can get transfers. Some of these schools are one player away. You never know who wants to be a big fish in a little pond. The, this next couple years, I don't know if we're going to figure out what the landscape looks like in totality. It's going to take time. I don't think it will. It, change is hard. This change is going to be ugly and challenging. And there's going to be some teams. There's going to be some some dark moments where we as fans say there is just absolutely no way that this system is good for college football. And then years down the line, it it could be better. 
and it could work. I heard on a podcast, and I thought it was really insightful, and I think it's just so true, and I've always thought this about college football. It's why I'm an NFL guy. People really struggle to understand that, is that in the old bowl system, when Penn State was winning with Joe Paterno, like you always talk about, Colter, they were independent, no conference, played whoever they want, and they, they called themselves national championships, right. national champions. Three teams in a year could be national champions. They all hang banners. That seems dumb. So we put in the BCS system, and there's a computer. We don't like the computer. That's dumb. We create the playoff. No one likes that. Let's expand it. No one likes that. Like, what do people like? They, they like, literally, they like going to the stadium and watching their team run out of the tunnel. That's what they like. So I don't really know what else really matters. If you want to have a culture and you want to create like a game day and stuff, I think that's probably how you're going to have more fans be engaged than worrying about who's going to be the next transfer quarterback comes in and how much you pay them. I mean, at the end of the day, who really cares? You're going to have a quarterback. You're going to have a team. Uh, culture is, is self-defined in a lot of ways. Blackfoot Communications continues to lift up our local entrepreneurs, delivering the resources needed to transform ideas into businesses. Our C2M beta program was founded with the mission to connect local entrepreneurs to more. With access to more professional expertise, more state-of-the-art technology, and more development resources, our 12-week program delivers the foundational and modern skills required to transform influential ideas into thriving businesses. Apply today at goblackfoot.com slash apply. Join Town Pump's Pump It Up Rewards Plus program and never pay full price for fuel again. Save five cents on every gallon every day at any Town Pump across Montana. Plus, earn and redeem points on your favorite in-store items and get free stuff with our clubs. Stop in and pick up a rewards card. Download the Pump It Up Rewards Plus app today. Or visit townpump.com slash rewards to register and start saving. Big Show Breakdowns, SkySportsMT.com, presented in part by Blackfoot Communications. We are partnering with Blackfoot once again in 2023 with a whole bunch of fun new stuff coming down the pipe for you. But thanks to Blackfoot for their continued sponsorship of our Skyline Sports newsletter, as well as uh, a variety of other endeavors, including this here podcast and our podcast network, Blackfoot Communications, the digital sponsors of both Bobcat and Grizz Athletics, Blackfoot Communications, helping you connect to more quickly before we get into some analysis about the Grizz and the Bobcats Cal Poly hired Paul Wolf so uh, another old fraternity member back to the f- lead role in the fraternity uh, the, the biggest guy has to have the most coaches that have coached at different schools or coached at the same school even as well than any other school in the in the whole or any other conference in the whole country right but Paul Wolf Used to be at Eastern Washington. He's coached at Sac State. And now he's at Cal Poly. And now he's a head coach at Cal Poly. Ed Lamb, back in the big sky. So Utah's former head coach. Now he is the head coach at Northern Colorado. And uh, Idaho State, who knows who they're going to hire. But there's uh, rumors that Bruce Barnum is in the mix. Uh, Portland State's head coach. That's funny. Weber's the one, though. I have no idea who the hell they're going to hire. And uh, there's definitely no way they're going to hire somebody that's as uh, well. Maybe they pull a rabbit out of their hat, but it's really hard to replace the best coach in school history. And Jay Hill is definitively the best coach Weaver State's ever had. So I don't know where they go. Uh, what do you think of just the uh, the familial element of the Big Sky Conference and uh, where does Idaho State and Weaver State go? I mean, you could keep going into coordinators and coaches. I mean, Jason Eck is at Idaho, is at Montana State, and his coordinator played at Idaho. And I mean, it's just on and on and on. It's forever, and it's that's fine. It's great. It's all good and, and well. 
Uh, Andy Thompson's still out there. You know, Andy Thompson, longtime Montana Grizz linebacker, longtime NAU defensive coordinator, Sac State's defensive coordinator right now. I mean, when's he going to get a shot? He's got to, right? I mean, at some point. Uh, maybe Weber looks his direction. The nepotism, if you will, or the – it's not even that. I, I, I want to call it a bad I word, but I'm not going to. Uh, it, <laughs> <laughs> is it's uh, it's funny. It's awesome. I actually kind of like it. It makes it easy. It makes it easier for us. It makes it f- the familiarity um, from year to year. Really, you can kind of watch like styles develop or fall apart. You have a much better understanding of why things go bad, which is fun. Um, I'm kind of here nor there. All these guys are going to be West Coast guys, and none of them are Power Five guys, and that's just kind of what it is. Yeah, it's uh, it's interesting. Like one of the most refreshing things we've seen in the last couple of years has been the uh, the hiring and development of Taylor House right at Montana State because he came in. Kid, just a kid, man. Just young, brash. I mean, his resume was one inch long because he'd been like a GA at Wyoming, and and uh, that's about it. And uh, you know, he came in and took his lumps a little bit year one, and uh, has been tremendous year two at Montana State. So, uh, but he's like the one of the first like outside of the family type hires that we've seen, especially at the Montana schools, in quite some time. And it's just been refreshing to watch. I don't know. Like people always ask me. So let's dive into the Grizz and the Bobcats. People always ask me like what should the Grizz do or if the Grizz were to make some coaching staff moves or whatever, who should they hire? And I always tell them that it, I don't know if, if I don't know if there's any staff movement on the horizon. I, I have no ability to say anything on that note right now. All in terms of my sources are reporting. Uh, it's all quiet on the Western front and Grizzland in terms of coaching and player movement so far. But when people say, well, you know, if they were to make changes on the offensive staff, what would you want to see? Who would you want to hire? My answer is always so simple. I would love for somebody to come coach offense at Montana that I've never heard of. This guy that I've never heard of. I've looked up his resume, and it's taken me an hour and a half to write the story about him because I've never heard of him. That would be awesome. Yeah, I can. I agree with you, and I can totally see that, you know, freshen it up a little bit. You also, when you do that, you really hope that you open up some, you know, new recruiting paths some new recruiting areas, some old connections with that person that you've never had tapped into. It's always another benefit is, is finding, you know, some new fresh players and areas and, you know, pieces of culture that you can bring to a place like Missoula that diversifies your program a little bit. I'm not saying the Grizz are completely opposed to that, but that's not really their style. Montana lost 49-26 at North Dakota State, second round of the FCS playoffs. Montana State won 33-25 against Weber State in the second round of the FCS playoffs. Cats are into the quarterfinals for the third year in a row. The Grizz out before the quarterfinals for the first time in three years. Uh, So let's start with the season that's over, Brooks. What were your uh, fundamental takeaways and what is your end-of-season analysis of uh, this Grizz football team? Well, they underachieved uh, pretty big. That was, you know, it was pretty frustrating on that front, um, just from a viewership perspective. Um, watching games, wa- watching the Grizz pound lesser opponents and, and not be able to k- rise up. The issue with that, Coulter, was that when they were playing teams like Sack and Weber, and they were so close, but they, it wasn't a talent disparity. It wasn't even, as we've been so critical on some scheme stuff, especially offensively, it wasn't even a scheme issue. It was that they mentally couldn't do it. Yeah. And that's really sad. You know, not even as like a fan or like, that's just, you just, you hope that teams 
can play their best when the best is needed, and the Grizz couldn't do it a single time, not once. You know, they did it for a for a forty five minute stretch of real time against Simo um, in the in the first round of the playoffs to save like com- a, the what would have been the most disastrous season of all time. Uh, we talked about it a lot, and I mean this in a, in a good way because I think it's important to to have perspective and and you know be self aware. If the Grizz lose to Simo, they have to face some music that they don't want to face. But they don't, and they go get and beat by North Dakota State, and, and they, everyone moves on, which I mentioned this on last week's pod. But I, I think that the lack of ability to rise to the occasion when only thing that your program is based on is being tough, and when you needed to be the toughest you couldn't be, it really, that's challenging. You know, it's hard to watch. It's hard to believe in. It's hard to be able to project what the future looks like for teams that are going to continue to play that style of football. We're going to beat you because we're tougher than you and then get beat five times because someone's tougher than you. It's hard. It's hard to do, hard to watch. Um, so we'll see. I don't think that that's how they view it internally, um, which is challenging because, you know, if you're going to be the best team in the country at the end of the year, it's hard to say, well, the only reason that uh, we didn't do it is because we played teams that were better than us. It's like, well, I thought you were the best team in the country. What else matters? Besides not only having that, that perspective, knowing it's true, and then going and executing it. If you don't execute it, even though you know it's true, then all of that's a lie. So I think that, that there is some looking in the mirror that needs to be done. It was a really good team. Don't get me wrong. There were some moments where it was like, wow, man, this is uh, they got some talent. Especially defensively, the scheme, we call it heavy metal defense, the Casino Royale. I mean, when it was hot, man, gosh, it was good. And you, you heard me talk about it endlessly, Colt. They, they rolled guys on defense. There was guys, you know, the Tyler Flink and Levi Janicaro. We call them the Bushwhackers, the Bash Brothers. I mean, these guys are some of my favorite players I've watched as depth pieces. You know, big sky high alum, go Eagles. Um, those guys, like, start stop playing. You know, the Grizz got away from from playing their depth pieces on defense and just tried to roll with starters who were getting burned out and, and, and you know, giving up 300 yards rushing back-to-back-to-back games. I mean, they finished the season giving up 1,300 yards rushing in four of the, three of the last four games. That's, I mean, that's that's hard to watch, right? So, I think there was bright spots, and, and I could glow about those all day. You know, I thought special teams, when it was good, it was good. When it was bad, it wasn't. It, it was bad. Um but when it was good, man, some Malik Flowers returned, some Junior Bergen, electric. The offensive line play, the, is, as I expected, better at some times than I expected, worse at some times. I think the Grizz have a lot of soul-searching to do. They needed to find something offensively of who they want to be, what they want to do, what they want to get to. And then defensively, they have to have more variability. They need to be more multiple because when their defense works, it's great. But you need to have two fronts. There is no team that only has one front. You got to have an odd and an even front. And, you know, when I was playing college football, when I was playing high school football, every team I was on had odd and even fronts. And they don't. And I, that's a little bit, you know, stark to me. So overall, I mean, I'd give the Grizz season a B-. And I have, you know, friends that are season ticket holders that stopped going to games halfway through the year. So... Whoever that, however that looks and how, whatever that means, um, I think if the Grizz don't improve, it's a complete referendum on, on a lot of different people in, in leadership positions. They were so apparently talented. I mean, they have apparent talent when you watch them. And their moments of being good were great, and that's, I think, why it was frustrating 
moments that they weren't good. And the the loss of the edge, the loss of the mental edge that you're talking about, that's the thing that uh, used to set Montana apart in every sport, but particularly football. They they always had the refuse to lose attitude. They never would lose games that was, you know, coin flip games. And I think that's the thing that they have to look at is you can say until you're blue in the face that you lost one score games to some of the best teams in the country. But forever and ever and ever, you won those games. You used to win all of the games. Play good, play bad, you win. Because you believed. Because the toughness is not the physical part of it. It's the mental part of it. I'm not saying the girls are mentally weak. I think they have a lot of really mentally tough guys. But the the omnipresent attitude of the team lacked lacked an authenticity that uh, they needed. That if you're going to win that way, then the attitude that you play with has to be authentic. It can never waver, and I think that's the part that they were missing. But as I've said on the radio for the last couple of weeks. Uh, all is not lost. In fact, the Grizz are in a better spot than most programs in the country. They just have to fix some details. they got to plug a couple leaks in the ship, but the ship is still a beautiful, majestic ship that most people would love to have. I mean, they got the fanciest boat at the dock. they got the fan, the best fan base, the, the, most, the largest fan base, the most fervent, rabid fan base, the best facilities, at least among. All these things are not maybe defined as the best, but they're among the best. At this level, they just got to figure out a couple of the little things. But the little things always add up to the big things. And I think that's probably the most disappointing part of this season is you could point to like 10 different little things that then meet, ended up in an 8-5 and five year, you know. Sac State receiver gets called out of bounds, inbounds instead of out of bounds. Little thing. that You know, it, it became a huge thing. Lucas Johnson getting hurt. Little thing became a big thing. So you got you can't let the little thing you know the thirty seven drama in the in fall camp you can't let the little things become big things. So I, I agree. I think that you do have some uh, some soul searching to do if you're Montana. And everything you said is right. I mean the the, the future is extremely bright, Colt. There, the, the only last two points I have on this are are this. You talked about that mental toughness. I talked all year about how I thought Weber State uh, was a pretty good team. And I thought that they were going to make a run. I thought they were going to get you know nine ten wins. I thought they were going to you know win a playoff game and, and and see where the chips fall after that. And I had people tell me all the time like, well, you got to be kidding me though. Like Weber's not that good. And I'm like, I totally agree, but their mental edge is real. It is real. Their toughness is not fake. It's real. They are half as talented as the Grizz, but their toughness was authentic, and that's why they were able to beat Montana. They were able to beat several other good teams. They were able to win a playoff game. It's because their toughness was real. So I couldn't agree with you more on that. And as you mentioned, the Grizz are so tough. Some of the most physically tough guys I've ever seen in my entire life. And mentally, at times, insane. I mean, this is an elite unit. Um, my last point is that it would be so easy for me and everyone else to just change the expectations. Sure. This season was awesome. If you change the expectations, I refuse to do that. It's a great point. Well, we'll return to this because we're going to have some more stuff throughout the uh, next couple weeks here uh, to wind up football season, maybe a more long-form analysis of, of uh, what went right, what went wrong for Montana. Uh, but last couple of things, Bobcats uh, ran the ball at will again. I mean, it's just like rinse and repeat at this point, broken record uh, the way the Montana State wins. 
but they did it again against Weber State, 388 yards rushing, 33-25. to They beat the Wildcats. They're into the quarterfinals of the FCS playoffs for the third fall season in a row. Now they got William & Mary coming to town. What did you think of the Bobcats last week? Just absolutely dominant. Um, they're just so good at running the football. They run it in so many different ways. Now the fact that they're going to just dial up three or four really well-designed trick plays a week, I mean, those aren't going to hit the clip they're hitting at right now. I mean, they're going three for three, four for four in games and just, you know, beating you by two or three touchdowns and then also having a splash play that goes for a touchdown too. It's like you're you're in for it if that's the case. Taylor House, right, offensive coordinator, has really got it dialed, Coulter. I mean, their run game is one of the more impressive things I've ever seen, and and it has this element that while while it is the option, it has this element that like it isn't the option, which is just fascinating. It's the plus one quarterback run game with like RPO pass run options, but it's not even the option still. It's so crazy. They don't run like the pitch option, but then sometimes they do. So like defensive ends, who you're reading, and they go and read different guys, and like there just is no way to play it on defense because they're going to make you wrong no matter what. Which I mean, that's what the option wants to do, but the option has this defined if this then that thing, and they they have if this then five or six different options. It's just, there's just nothing like it. Um, you know, Weber played tough, man. They took some big hits. Um, you know, the backup quarterback comes in for Weber when when, when Barron gets knocked out and, and played really well, and Weber was surging at the end there. I think Montana State took the gas off a little bit just because inherently you, you, I, I don't blame them. You kind of have to. Um, so it did make sense to me kind of how that game ended up. Weber surging at the end and Montana State only winning by eight, um, which was a seven-and-a-half-point line. Pretty cute little cover there. They played really well. You know, they're still going to struggle on defense. Blake Lesnar's kicked the ball really well, and he's 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 climbing the charts to be you know the all-time single leading sc- scorer in season, which is just nuts. Um, so he's playing well. If you have a good kicker, you're not punting the ball. You have a stat, Coulter, which you've said on your show and on this pod that they had a, a period of time where they went 29 of 32 possessions they scored, and two of those possessions they didn't score were kneel downs to win. So in theory, they scored 29 of 30 straight possessions. I mean, it's I mean, come on, folks. It's one of the most impressive things I've ever heard in my life. Bryce Layton did punted against NAU and then didn't punt. Again. That was on November 5th. Didn't punt again again until uh, December 3rd. Did uh, didn't, he didn't play? Didn't didn't was not a not a uh, necessary member of the team. <laughs> I guess he's the the holder. You're right. Uh, but uh, <laughs> this is crazy. Like, you know, I don't think he's complaining at all. It's not like he's, like, mad about his lack of playing time. I think he's probably loving it, just watching them march up and down the field. Uh, it's, it's, it's crazy to watch, man. I thought that the most stunning moment of the entire season so far was watching both Bobby Houck and Jay Hill sit at press conferences at Bobcat Stadium, two of arguably the best defensive coaches in the history of the league, and both of them saying word for word what the other one said. We know they're going to run it. They know they're going to run it. Everybody in the stadium knows they're going to run it. We can't stop it. it. It's it's a place that you hope you can get to as a football team, and uh, it's amazing that they've been able to get there. And the craziest part about it is they just got their best player back. I mean, they just got their single best player back uh, into the fold with Isaiah Fonse coming back. So, uh, you know, I don't know. I, I know that we're a little bit – well, we're a lot high on the Bobcats because they've just been so impressive, and how can you not be? I mean – at this point, they haven't uh, they haven't lost anybody in the FCS except for 
in their first in Vegan's first rivalry game in Missoula and at the Natty. That's it. Otherwise, they're undefeated against the FCS. So, uh, pretty hard to not be high on them. But if they can run the ball like this and they can keep it up, uh, I just don't know how they. I don't know who stops them. They will have to probably go on the road and play in South Dakota State. We're not guaranteeing a win on Friday night, but I think that it's going to be uh, pretty tough for William and Mary come to Bobcat Stadium and uh, win when it's 10, 10 degrees in the shade. They're rolling, and, you know, if South Dakota State gets a win, that'll be a showdown. I think that I thought it was no question that they were the two best teams in the country. That it was South Dakota State, Montana State, SAC, and North Dakota State. That's how I thought it should have been seeded. Obviously, SAC wins the league or gets the share, uh, goes undefeated, so you give SAC the two seed. I understand all that, but Montana State's a better team. Um, they're just... They're so challenging right now. It's comical, dude. It's comical. Um, and the you know some of the most comical parts is that any coach here in this podcast or any person who really knows football says that they get their best player back in Isaiah Infante, which I agree is true. They'd all laugh and say, "What about Tommy Mallott? Yeah, that's, right. that's right. That's right. And I was saying this on my Bozeman radio hit, which we'll play for you a little later on this week as well. Yeah, you can you can sit here and debate till you're blue in the face how well or not Tommy Mallott can throw the ball. The reason, one of the main reasons why Montana State's run game is so good is twofold. I think that there's a couple factors that people haven't talked about that much. One, they press the edge so well, but there's a reason that, that they carved out a, a specific special position for Derek Snell on the first team all league list. Because Derek Snell is like the edge eraser. That's what he does, is he sets and dominates the edge so well. I mean, he's like this hybrid tight end H-back type guy, and that then lets all of their super fast ball carriers get upfield. But the other most underrated part about what the Cats do is you can debate till you're blue in the face time lots of ability to throw the ball. His ball skills, other than throwing the ball, are the best I've ever seen, and it's not close. His, you know, his internal mesh or, you know, his ability to, to pull on his own read and his ability to just have the ball how he does and then his ability to take hits and never fumble i mean the last time he fumbled was when we thought he it was the worst there was a moment in time where tommy lock got killed against tennessee martin in the second round of the playoffs last year in his first ever start and he fumbled the ball and you're like oh shoot the freshman's gonna fall apart the cats are gonna lose troy anderson's season's gonna go one and done in the in the playoffs and then on the very next drive tommy lock scored a 76 yard touchdown and then he's just been pretty much invincible since then except for against oregon state uh, but it's the it's the ball skills. This is his, his ability to maneuver the ball, and uh, his ball security that uh, it, it just makes them second to none. I mean, that's the thing. Is like, yeah, Alfonso is their most flashy stat getter, but Tommy Mallott is um, at this point. You just have to accept it for what it is because he is uh, the best at what he does in the country. It's no question. In between the twenties, he's the most dynamic running quarterback that we have probably seen. So I mean. I could talk about it till I'm blue in the face. Cats are scoring 35. What's the other team going to do? William & Mary at Bobcat Stadium under the lights, 8.15 p.m. Somebody send us pillows. We're going to have to take a nap. We're going to have to sleep there. But uh, it's fun when it's this time of year. We'll take it all the football we can get. Uh, Big Sky Breakdown, SkylineSportsMT.com. Thanks so much for following along. Uh, It is presented in part uh, by Nick Tabor of Westpac Wealth. Let Nick Tabor and Westpac Wealth make your life more tax-efficient. They can help you with all sorts of things from uh, whole life insurance to investment plans to business succession plans. Let Nick Tabor and his team at Westpac Wealth uh, 
help you with all of your financial needs. Uh, Brooks Nuanas, Coulter Nuanas, Ty Gregorak coming up right after this. Thanks for being here, man. Playoff football. Let's get in the car and drive. <laughs> Ty Gregorak, next. Keep it right here. Big Sam Breakdown. Blackfoot Communications just launched new business services delivering big value to smaller firms. With reliable voice, fast internet, business-grade Wi-Fi, and around-the-clock support, Blackfoot ensures you remain connected to your customers, employees, and communities throughout the day, every day. For more information, go to blackfootsmallbusiness.com. Connect to more with Blackfoot Communications. Join Town Pump's Pump It Up Rewards Plus program and never pay full price for fuel again. Save five cents on every gallon every day at any Town Pump across Montana. Plus, earn and redeem points on your favorite in-store items to get free stuff with our clubs. Stop in and pick up a rewards card. Download the Pump It Up Rewards Plus app today. Or visit townpump.com slash rewards to register and start saving. Just one Big Sky Conference football team from Montana remains alive in the FCS playoffs, and they play Friday night under the Bobcat Stadium lights. Hello, I'm Coulter Nuanez. We will be broadcasting to you live from Bozeman from the Rockin' R Bar leading up to Montana State's quarterfinal football game against William & Mary. Come hang out with us. We'll have great guests like Brent Vegan and Ty Gregorak joining us. Nuanez now live from the Rockin' R Bar 4 to 6 p.m. on Friday, December 9th. The Rockin' R Bar located at 211 West Main Street, Bozeman's local hotspot. Well, round and round we go. Big Sky Breakdown rolls on here. Ty Gregorak joining us here on the Big Sky Breakdown, SkylineSportsMT.com. Thanks to all of our great sponsors that have helped us out all year long, including Town Pump. Town Pump's kept us fueled up all year. Uh, we've been driving all over the Big Sky, particularly between Missoula and Bozeman, and Town Pump's kept keep us on the road, and I uh, can't appreciate, uh, can't tell those guys thanks enough for all their continued support here of us at uh, Skyline Sports. Uh, Ty, First and foremost, it's dizzying how fast the co- coaching carousel is spinning in the big sky. I mean, it's always this time of year, but this has been particularly crazy with four new openings and uh, two of them closing already. So, uh, Bradley, what have you thought? I mean, the news of the day, you're the first person I've talked to this about. Jay Hill out at Weber State, headed to BYU, and uh, that's a big one because he's arguably, I don't even think arguably, I think he's definitively the greatest coach in Weber State history, and uh, that's not to mention now opens and closures at Cal Poly and Northern Colorado and still an opening at Idaho State as well. It's been pretty crazy. Well, it's really crazy, and it's kind of par for the course for this time of year, and everything has just been heightened or not not heightened but everything just moves faster now because of the transfer portal and the early signing day you know it's just different times man i mean call it, we, we've talked about it now for the last couple of years college football and the landscape of college football is just totally different than it was you know even five years ago let alone 10 years ago so everything just moves really really fast now uh I'm air quoting Black Monday and, and kind of the week after the season. And, and so looks like there's some good coaches that have, that have left, uh, some good coaches that have already been hired. But, yeah, to your point on Jay Hill, he, you know, a better part of a decade, great defense, great special teams. One of, one of gosh, I don't even know how many how many big skies did he win. Five? Six? Five, in, yeah. In his nine year, five, five, I mean, so he just had a great run. So, you know, obviously uh, he will be he will be missed and – you know, there's some some teams that are glad to see him go just to, you know, hey, maybe we got a shot again. But no, I mean, he's he's a great coach, great dude, and and well, you know, deserve. I I think it's more 
not shocking because it's a great job. He's from Utah, and, and, and the, you know, the BYU brand is, is really a national brand, and it's, 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 it's quite a school. Um, I think that guys like me and, and, and maybe, I don't know, your opinion, I just assumed he would kind of wait it out at Weber State and then take that, you know, that, that Mountain West head coaching job or, or you know, a, a good a group of five or, or uh, maybe even a lower-level power five um, when it was all said and done, when his reign was over. But great opportunity for him uh, amongst others, and, and I, I hope he does well. I think that the things that have changed, I think the two factors in terms of the coaching sphere, and this is a sphere you worked in for a really long time, I think the two things that have changed the most are, one, I think that the, the sort of traditional meritocracy of, of climbing the ladder is a little bit different than it used to be. There's not that many, even Mountain West, let alone Power Fives, that are taking risks on the, the lower-level coach. You kind of have to get into the, the rung of the Power Five and be in the Power Five. And, you know, BYU is not a quote-unquote Power Five, but they, they have Power Five resources. And that's the other thing I think has changed because BYU is sort of on par with the resources that schools like Arizona State have that both just – you know, picked off Bo Baldwin from Cal Poly and, and Charlie Ragle from Idaho State, both big sky head coaches going to be assistants at Arizona State. And that's just the money, man. I mean, the, the reports out there are that Jay Hill's going to get close to, if not over $1 million to be the defensive coordinator at uh, BYU. Uh, you know, I mean, that's that's life-changing money. And uh, yeah, I think that's the, part of it, though, is that we've seen now that sometimes the offers are so... I mean, I bet you that Charlie Raggle tripled his salary to go to Arizona State. I bet you Bo Baldwin more than tripled his salary to go be the OC at Arizona State. And, you know, it's always been a disparity in money. But now when you can be a Power 5 assistant for three, four, five times as much money as you could get to be a head coach in the big sky, I know it's not all about money, and these are huge opportunities for these guys, but that sort of money is really hard to say no to. Well, it is, and, and, and kind of what you were saying uh, is exactly right. Um, you don't see – you're just not seeing a lot of, of, of FCS coaches get that ne- – I'm talking head coaches – get that next opportunity. You know, the, 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 the Craig Bowles and the Chris Kleimans of the world, you know, ha- had to stay in Fargo a long time and win multiple national championships to get those opportunities, you know, and Matt Entz will eventually get one and, and guys at this level will get one. But, I mean, you saw it with guys like Bo Baldwin and – you know, Jeff Choate, uh, you know, they, they, they kind of see the writing on the wall, so to speak, and that, that you can have success, but you're going to have to have a lot of success for, for, for basically a long time. Not always. I mean, there, there's certain instances that you can point to where, you know, guys have gotten opportunities um, early, but, you know, you're, you're, you're right on where, I mean, Bob, Bobby Houck had an unbelievable run in the early 2000s, and, and, and what did he get out of it? UNLV. You right. know, and there's nothing really... There's nothing really Bobby could have done other than win the Natty. I mean, it, that was just an unbelievable run with, you know, one conference loss in his last four years, multiple national championship uh, runs and appearances, multiple semifinals, and, and, you know, just wasn't getting that big-time job. And I think a lot of these guys, and, and we've seen it uh, even in this last wave, where they get they get these opportunities, they know they can't pass them up. Um, I remember a long, long time ago, an assistant coach in the Big Sky, and I and I, I coached you know almost exclusively in the Big Sky for 15 years. Um, he said he, he I remember him saying, and it was kind of eye opening to me. Hey, I would way, way, way rather be at, at in, you know in the Power Five or Group of Five 
uh, you know, FBS football than be a coordinator in the big sky. And I never really thought about it that way, but but he was right on. And this was 10, 15 years ago. Um, but you, you need to make that Division One step in order to stay at that level because it's it, the F, FCS. There, buddy, there's a lot of good coaches in the FCS. There's a lot of good coaches in the big sky. For sure. You and I can, you can, you and I can name a lot of them that shouldn't be – they should get that opportunity financially and, and, and for their family and that life-changing money that it's hard to get out. But, you know, once you do, once you've got that power five experience on your resume, that, 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 that says a lot. And, and coaches look at that you know, in, in terms of hiring. Ty Gregory joining us uh, here on the Big Sky Breakdown. Uh, you have to wonder, too, I mean, Ed Lamb back in the Big Sky, he takes the Northern Colorado head job, a guy who was at Southern Utah for a really long time. And that came a day before Weber opened up. So you just wonder what a guy like Ed Lamb, who has you know similar ties like Jay Hill, I mean, he's got BYU ties times two. He's also you know been at Southern Utah. You wonder if he's sitting there thinking, man, I wish I could have waited to go to Weber, or maybe he's really excited for the opportunity in Northern Colorado. I don't know. Uh, but that's an interesting one too because it's so funny. You know, like as we were saying, Ed McCaffrey made more headlines outside the Big Sky sphere than anybody Northern Colorado could have hired. But inside the Big Sky sphere, everybody's like, well, WTF, what's going on? This guy's never coached college football. How's that going to work? And then now they hired a guy that probably nobody outside the Big Sky sphere has any idea who he is, Ned Lamb. But people inside the Big Sky sphere is like, well, that guy won multiple championships at Southern Utah. That guy's a pretty damn good coach. So uh, just interesting the perspective. I think uh, the second Ed that Northern Colorado hired has a lot bigger chance to be successful than the first first one I, yes i think you know the, the unc gig though is just to, to me right now it's just not a good job i mean For sure. you, you can you can see weber state has invested they, they've invested in facilities and it's a good school it's a beautiful back background and you've got you know salt lake down the road and and i just i look at them as, as two way different jobs i will never ever could, could, could consider UNC uh, in, in the same regard as I do the upper half of the big sky until they start investing in football and facilities and, and giving those coaches and players a chance. Um, something I just don't, I have not witnessed since they made the move from D2 to 1AA slash FCS, you know, and, and, and obviously still, you know, still in, in the big sky. So, you know, uh, obviously a, a guy that has been around the block a lot, uh, good coach. I, I, I I hope he does well. You know, the Idaho State gig is open. That that's an interesting one, um, in that they they've had success. It's just been a long time, and it's hard to sustain that success um, at, at Idaho State. So lots of moving and shaking, man. Um, you, you know, you, you, like you said, though. I mean, it's it's you know, if you if you go down the street from Greeley to my alma mater, you know, and hire in Prime, Coach Prime. I mean, it, it, what have they done? Well, nothing other than create a ton of buzz and excitement and people are talking about Colorado Buffaloes again, which is awesome. Um, it's it's kind of like on signing day, right? They, they, every, every coach, every team wins signing day. Like, ah, we got the best recruiting class this program seen in forever. Well, I mean, only, only time will tell, you know? So uh, it, it definitely a, a fascinating um, t- turn of events in, in a lot of these coaches and hires and, and guys, moving and you know the what is there there's probably already over a thousand kids in the transfer portal since, since it opened on on monday i think like fifty thousand. it's crazy <laughs> it is it is crazy and they're gonna have to reevaluate that because it's just i, I think the intent was probably i think there's probably good intentions but man it, it, to me it's just i don't know if it's if that formula is winning because i think a lot of these kids um 
a lot of them are, are forced into the transfer portal. Uh, you know, back in the, back in the day, you used to, you know, you could kind of talk a kid into taking that medical red shirt and getting school paid for, but just finishing out his career with, you know, multiple knee injuries or shoulder injuries. And, and then a lot of these kids are just, you know, bagging it. I mean, just, I don't know. I, I, and I don't like it because, you know, people are like, well, coaches come and go. And it's like, well, yeah, they're, they're, they're coaches. I mean, they, they make a, a paycheck and a salary and their, their, their wife and their children and their livelihood depends on it. The problem is, is now that kids are getting dang salaries. I mean, the kids are making money and, and employed by, you know, these, these collectives and these NIL agreements. And it's, it's just crazy, man. It's uh, college athletics as we know it are over. And now it's just, you know, the, you see the, the, the coaches that are having success are the ones that are adjusting and adapting to this new to this this new reality. Aren't you glad that you're not in the game anymore having to recruit kids out of them? I mean, I don't when it reaches the point where right I'm hearing stuff about the the top level like the Power 5 schools that these guys are getting offered 2 3 4 million dollars to transfer. I mean, give me a break, man. I agree. I think in its intent and its premise the the uh, initial thought of giving players a little bit more freedom was a good one now there's no consequences we can leave and again i think that there's a variety of reasons guys leave schools and i think that most of the reasons guys leave schools are good ones that they either got hurt or they have a family thing or their girlfriend moved or you know whatever they get so many different reasons you can leave most of them almost every single one of them justifiable but like like you're saying, like the amateurism of it all is just completely dead. I mean, it's just I just don't know how you you maintain the cohesiveness of a team if you're bringing in a guy who's a transfer who's already going to have a hard time fitting in, and then people know that he's getting paid as much as the you know special teams coordinator. That's pretty crazy, man. It, it, it is, and um, you know I I think of it from another perspective too is. What kind of college experience are, are a lot of these kids getting anymore? You know, where, where's their, you know, where, where's their loyalties lie at the end of, you know, four or five years anymore? Some of these kids are going to multiple schools, and I just, you know, they're, they're, I, I, I went to the University of Colorado with aspirations of playing in the NFL. You know, a, a lot of guys go to Power Five schools wanting to play on Sundays. That's, you know, a lot of, a lot of our dreams and goals as little boys. I mean, my, my little boy is seven years old and he dreams of playing on Sundays already, you know, and he can sit and watch football and he loves it and it's awesome. But I just, I worry about the actual experience that these guys are getting in college. They don't have that brotherhood and camaraderie that uh, they have that and they can get that, but it's not lifelong. You know, I always, I always used to tell my players, you know, you'll always have a high school buddy or two that will always be, always be your dude, but your lifelong friends and a lot of the guys that are going to stand with you on, uh, on your wedding day. And those, those are guys you meet in college and in and, and, and college football and the, the challenges of it and the, 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 the blood, sweat, tears, the early mornings, the pain, the, you know, the not being able to sleep because you're dang, shoulder hurts so bad and your knees screwed up and you know that that's the stuff that you never forget and i just i i think a lot of these kids aren't, aren't getting the same type of college experience by you know oh i mean it's like you know dj Angule uh at, at at clemson he gets benched and he's immediately in the transfer portal i just think it's a bad look anymore and you're not these kids aren't being held accountable and and, and i go back to the coaches and say, well coaches come and go well okay i'm sorry that that, that is their job that is their profession um and if we want to if if, if if we want to turn college athletics into a profession which it's slowly becoming then then way to go you've accomplished it they they are not getting 
that experience and, you know, that fondness of talking about their alma mater someday. And again, I, buddy, I didn't, I didn't have the kind of career I wanted to at Colorado, but I hold the university of Colorado in a high regard in my experience. And, you know, my, I'm, I'm on a text thread with over 20 former buffs, you know, and, and it's been going crazy since neon Dion Prime, coach prime has been hired and, you know, everybody thinks he's the savior, but I, I have those relationships that I made over four years at CU where I just think a lot of these kids, aren't making those, those lifelong relationships anymore by just bouncing around the dang transfer portal. And sadly, you know, 60% of them or more aren't, aren't landing spots. They're not getting homes. They're not, getting their, they're, they're not getting their tuition uh, paid for. And that, you know, co- college football is, is so wonderful in that regard. And a lot of kids that probably wouldn't get an opportunity to go to college, get to go to college. That's a huge thing. I mean, you can't, there's just not too many, uh, uh, employment opportunities anymore where if you don't have a college degree, you can go get. Is it possible? Of course it's possible. Anything's possible. Some of the wealthiest people in the world never got a college degree. Great. I'm just saying nine out of ten of those aren't, that's not realistic. And I think a lot of these kids are losing out on both the college experience and frankly just college in general by, you're really rolling the dice. I mean, you talk about the leap of faith, man. I mean, you're taking a huge leap of faith by you know, to get getting away from a situation where they wanted you and they, they, they invested in you and now you're 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 rolling the dice to go take take your take your talents elsewhere, culture I guess. Interesting times, man. Part of the glory of building a business comes from leaving a legacy to ensure your business continues thriving into the future. Have you asked yourself lately, what is your plan? Forming a personalized business succession plan is essential to know the passion you put into your business will carry on. Nick Tabor at Westpac Wealth is here to help you navigate all your business succession and retirement planning needs. Give Nick a call at 728-6699 and keep the spirit of possibility vibrant while making your future more tax efficient with a personalized business succession and retirement plan for you. Also have to thank all of our Fit During Football sponsors as well. I've been trying to really keep the fitness honed in, keep the mind fresh. I made a lot of health changes in my life, gave up the, the drinking, gave up the boozing, and uh, been trying to eat as healthy as possible. And so been staying on track with the help from the guys over at uh, Nutrition on Reserve here in Missoula as I sit here in the Garden City. The uh, High protein intake. It helps you a lot. It helps curb the appetite. Helps also helps with muscle recovery. Helps you feel fresh. My mind feels great, and uh, it helps you work out a lot harder as well. So that's been a, a welcome addition for me, and also been hitting hard at both the Hype House, uh, which is a cycling and strength studio. Awesome place, very welcoming environment. Totally outside my comfort zone, but they have awesome spin classes, but also awesome strength classes too. So you can get your lifting in over there as well and uh, get some high resistance type training. That's uh, really good for building that lean muscle mass. And also got to say thanks to Hot House Yoga. They've been great as well, uh, helping me relax, wind down, you know. It, it, but it does, it kind of juices you up a little bit too, you know, because you, you get to sit there and be with your thoughts and stretch it out. And it's very challenging physically too. A lot of body weight strength being built as well. But you kind of just get to be, you just get to be and you get to let, let go of things and, and really explore your own mind. And uh, it helps you return to center. And then if you're doing it early in the day or in the middle of the day, boom, you hit it and charge hard towards the rest of the day. So God, thanks all those great sponsors for uh, helping me out. If you want to learn more, you can visit all their websites, Nutrition on Reserve, Hype House, and the Hot House Yoga Studio. Check out all those fine sponsors if you're trying to get fit. I promise you, you won't regret the decision. 
Tag Rag Rag Big Sky Breakdown here, Skyline Sports MT.com, presented by Opportunity Bank. Opportunity Bank, your local bank, your opportunity. Uh, Ty, we'll talk more about some of this stuff on Friday. Ty's going to swing by. Uh, Nuana's now. Our daily radio show will be broadcasting live from the R Bar, downtown Bozeman, Montana, 211 Main Street, I think is the address, but I think you'll you'll probably be able to find it. It is basically the center of downtown Bozeman, so we'll be on the air uh, from 4 to 6. Ty will join us during the second hour. So if you're uh, in the neighborhood, you're going to the Montana State game uh, against William and Mary. Swing on down, and uh, we can hang out. We'll be down there four to six, leading up to the eight fifteen p.m. kickoff. Ty, before we get to the the cats, just brief thoughts on on the Grizz. I mean, on, on one hand, you know, as Andrew Houghton wrote in his story, going to Fargo is kind of the crucible for everybody. I mean, you 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 go to Fargo, you lose. Just a matter of which round you you have to go there in. And so, on that uh, note, it's not really any different than for Montana than it is for every team that's gone there for the last ten years. Uh, on the other hand, though, I just think that the the 49-26 loss by the Grizzlies in the Fargo Dome. Well, sort of just the the last the last uh, stamp on what was. I think anybody that was being honest with you would lar- would tell you it was a largely disappointing year for the Grizz. I mean, I know they made the playoffs, they won a playoff game, but given the talent that they had and and sort of the, the coach that they have and and uh, the fact that it's year five, I think a lot of people expected a lot farther than just the round of the sixteen for for the Grizz. So, I mean, how would you sum up this Grizz season? Well, I, I mean, you you just did. <laughs> so, uh, right. You know, it's it, you're talking about a team that was at one point number two in the country, and um, I think what you saw in that last game was just kind of a I don't know it was kind of a not a culmination, but it just kind of seemed like you, you know what, what, what you witnessed for that last 60 minutes. I mean, the the first 25, 30 minutes. I mean, they're scrapping pretty good, right? I mean, it's it's a game. And, you know, again, you've got – when you've got a big physical outfit that likes to run the football, I think that's where, you know, you just sit there and you go, okay. It, 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 kind of the proof's in the pudding, man. I mean, the last three weeks they had over a 1,000 yards rushed against them, you know, on, on the ground. And, you know, obviously Montana State and uh, North Dakota State – really kind of had their way with, with the Grizz on the ground, running the football, and just, you know, couldn't be stopped. And, I mean, I, I think I, I didn't get to watch the game. Uh, well, no, no, I, I didn't get to watch the game, actually, because uh, I, w- I was at the Bobcat game. But I, I was following it, and, shoot, I, <laughs> between us, I actually was watching it on – or trying to watch it a little bit on my phone while at the game. But, yeah, man, it's just – you know, it's just – it's too bad. I mean, a lot of, lot of good – came from the season but you know that last part of the season and, and I've, I've mentioned it before on the show but really since they had to go to Idaho State you just you just started seeing a whole bunch of red flags with this outfit and I think a lot of those red flags finally kind of reared their ugly head against good teams at the end of the season. Again, you can always take the caveat like that they played a really tough schedule, but the fact that the Grizz are talking like that now is is just so striking to me because those sort of things used to used to never be said. Because it, it used to be that the Grizz were on your schedule, so that means your schedule was hard because you had to play the Grizz, and I, I think that's one spot that uh, is just striking. We'll talk more about this later on in the week, but let's talk Bobcats. They, uh, man. As Jay Hill said in the postgame, Weber State's now former head coach. He said, everybody in the stadium knows they're going to run the dang ball when nobody can stop it. It's crazy. That's the second coach in a row that said that at Bobcat Stadium. They don't even have any intention to throw the ball, and yet here they are. And, you know, this is not just against anybody. They just Montana State just rolled up 439 against the Grizz and 388 against Weber. Those are two of the 10 best defenses in the country. So I don't really know how you stop this Bobcat run game, but Montana State now racing into the, the uh, semifinals. I know that the final score there against Weber was an eight-point margin 
but uh, they had that game well in hand early in the fourth quarter and then were able to to squeeze it out. So pretty striking the way the Bobcats can run the ball, and now here they are, quarterfinals for the third year in a row. Well, yeah, and you know they they rushed for what would you say was what was the final there three three eighty eight against Weber for sure. And a, mo- a month and a half prior to that, it was it was. Uh, uh, 347, the way I remember it. So, I mean, yeah. you got one of the best, you got two of the best rush defenses statistically in the country in Weber State and Montana, and they, they had no answers. Um, you know, so it's pretty, it's pretty uh, amazing um, what, what they have done and continue to do uh, with, with the offensive line, their tight end group, their perimeter blocking, all of it is just special. And uh, it's, it, I, I know just living there, and I haven't, <laughs> I don't feel like I've been there since the game. I've been all over Hill and Dale. I'm talking to you today from Great Falls, but uh, I think they feel pretty good about, about themselves right now, and, and and the way they've set themselves up, and they're playing they're playing their best football, you know, when they need to at the end of the year here, and and it's uh, they have a quiet, humble. Not not cockiness, but just I think they're a very confident group right now, as they should be with what they've done, you know, the last the last month of, of the season. And again, I know that Flagstaff was a, a challenging game, but they went on the road and won in the Big Sky. And you know, since then, it's just been total domination of, of Cal Poly, the rival, you know, Weber, and now they get a very good, a very good uh, William and Mary that's had a great season, but. I just love, you know, getting a team from the East Coast to come play a late game in the middle of, of December, late, you know, 8.15 our time, which is 10.15 their time. It's going to be cold. I just feel like, um, you know, these are, these are kind of where you – obviously you got to go have a great game plan and execute it, but you're almost – you know, we, we as coaches and players used to lick our chops when we'd get these teams from, you know, way out east or way down south to come up in, in December for a playoff game. So should be a, should be a rocking good night. Great to see Montana State dominate the attendance last week. Uh, I mean, I think the next closest one was over 4,000 away in Fargo. You know, so we had uh, Montana State had over 16,000 fans for that for that game, which was which was an awesome uh, you know showing. And I bet it, I bet it's even better tonight. You know, both both late games this season, UC Davis and oh God, I'm trying to think who the other one was. But both were actually really well attended, um, where I kind of thought, you know, the late start and, you know, ESPN covering it, whatever, I thought that might be challenging. But Montana State has shown out really well this year, uh, fan-wise. I mean, they've set multiple records in attendance. And like I said, to, to have to lead the country in attendance by a huge margin last, last week, it just kind of shows you what's going on in, in Bozeman right now. It's pretty incredible. And they they got the tricky. special sauce right now for sure. Bobcats got the juice, and uh, we'll be live in person in Bozeman on Friday. Ty Gregorak joining us here on the Big Sky Breakdown, and uh, he'll join us again on Nuanas Now on Friday as well. So come on down, swing by the R Bar, come say hi to us, and uh, we'll see you in Bozeman uh, for the uh, 8-15 kickoff. I'm going to need to bring my pillow. I might have to take a nap in the press box, but otherwise should be a fun night in Bozeman. Ty, uh, thanks for being here, man, as always, and uh, we'll talk to you on Friday. Yeah, it'll be it'll be awesome to see you, Coulter. I can't wait. Uh, it's going to be a great game. Eight teams remain. I mean, this is what a fun time of year. And you know, fortunately, we get to keep talking about uh, one of the Montana schools. Too bad we're not talking about both, but one's still in it with with uh, you know two to go. So it's, it's going to be awesome, man. I look forward to seeing you and travel safe and catch you on Friday, man. Thanks for having me on. There's a lot of things that make Montana great, from the mountains and lakes to some of the finest towns in the West. But what really makes this place special is you. Our communities are full of people who are working hard to build good lives and remarkable things. At Opportunity Bank, 
Our passion is helping folks do just that. Together, we can make a good thing even better. Opportunity Bank of Montana. Stop by and see us or visit us online. Member FDIC. College Athletics is a fundamental part of the fabric of our communities in Montana, and it's the stories of these young men and women that drive our passion at Skyline Sports. Coulter Nuwana is here. In 2015, my brother Brooks and I founded SkylineSportsMT.com. As a lifelong athlete, Brooks has an elite knowledge of football with a deep perspective with his time spent playing safety for the Montana Grizz football team, while I won a collection of sports writing awards, including 2010 Washington Sports Writer of the Year during my time in newspapers. Together, we can offer you the best sports journalism in the state with crisp writing, unbiased reporting, cutting-edge photography, and a grassroots feel that belies the corporate takeover of modern media this day and age. As Montana natives, we have a deep historical knowledge of the fiercest rivalry in the West. We share a combined 22 years experience involved in the Big Sky Conference. That experience gives us unparalleled knowledge of Montana, Montana State, and Big Sky Conference athletics. If you'd like to experience this with us, visit SkylineSportsMT.com and subscribe for only $8 a month or $90 a year. SkylineSportsMT.com. Every day, every season. Big Sky Breakdown rolls on. FCS Playoffs are upon us, and uh, we're now into the final eight of the FCS playoffs. And we're joined now by Sacramento State running back Cameron Scadaboo. He is the now reigning Offensive Player of the Year in the Big Sky Conference and a guy who's had a great year there uh, for the Hornets. Cameron, thanks so much for being with us, man. How you doing? I'm doing great. Um, you know, just ready to play our next game and continue to compete. Well, th- that's where we'll start is uh, last week, Sac State – a bye, the two seed, and then you got a good Richmond team coming to Sacramento, and it was one of the best games of the of the uh, second round. Back and forth, back and forth, but you guys were able to close it out. And I know that one thing that people have been talking about is Sac State's had been so good in the regular season. You guys have had some tough draws in the playoffs, but you get it done. First win in, in uh, Sac State history in the playoffs. So what did it feel like? How were you guys able to get that thing done? Uh, you know, there's always that, that nervousness of, who we're going to play and um, no one were playing that Richmond team we weren't taking anybody anybody lightly um, that team was definitely a lot better than anybody expected um, very disciplined very well coached good players so I mean the fact that we got through that one uh, we have we have a good shot keep going and I don't know man it's it's playoff it's playoff year so um, every team's going to be really good from here on out and you can't take anybody for granted um, they're all going to be really good and really well coached they're they're in the top eight for a reason. I mean, all the seeded teams won, so it shows to shows to you how how important it is and how good those teams are that are that are ranked highly. This year in the Big Sky Conference is is a great year. A lot of really good teams, but also there was like this stretch where all of the best teams played each other, and you guys went through that exact stretch uh, playing. Montana and Idaho and Weaver all you know, back to back to back. So, I mean, how much do you think that prepared you guys for, for the playoffs? Uh, I think it was a huge, a huge season in the facts of who we played, um, showing that we could beat all those teams. I mean, you take all three of those teams, any of those teams could have been undefeated within a matter of three to six points. So, um, it showed a lot of resilience through our team and how we were able to fight and battle through no matter who we were playing. Um, so, I mean, we just kept going, and it's gonna it's gonna keep keep going for sure. Well, another home game coming up now with uh, Incarnate Word coming to town. So, I mean, first of all, we've seen the home field advantage play out, like you said. I mean, all the eight seeded teams all won, so it's been a big deal so far. Um, how much has that helped you guys? And what do you think of just having another home game here uh, in in the uh, quarterfinals? 
honestly, lately I've been thinking it's not really – I wouldn't consider it a home game anymore from here on out, even though you're at your own stadium and you don't have to travel. Um, that's probably the biggest thing is not traveling. But, I mean, the team, the teams that come here, they're in a playoff, so they're bringing their own crowd and – you know, they they feel like it's their home stadium, and I would feel the same way if I was going somewhere else. So um, we're we're taking this day by day, and we're we're trying to win each day one by one, and uh, hopefully come out of this come out of this Friday with the dub. Usually, you guys have such good weather. Last week, it looked like the weather was crazy, though. I mean, what was it like playing that Ram? I, mean, I was watching it. It was like every time they'd show from behind the field goal post, you could just see the water just like dripping down. Was it, it was super wet? Was it hard to play? Uh, yeah, it was definitely hard. You know, footing. The ball soaked. You're, I mean, your your whole body's five pounds heavier because everything's wet. But I mean, football's football. You can play it in any weather, and it. I mean, it it difficults at some times. But our guys are resilient. We we knew that it was going to rain, so we kind of took that in in our advantage of how we were going to game plan, and um, it worked out pretty well, as you can see um, towards the end there. But yeah, I mean, here in Sacramento, I've lived here my whole life, and I played maybe three rain games altogether. So. That was definitely a new one for me, especially with that that big atmosphere and the experience through that game. So, I mean, it was it was difficult, but I'm glad we won. Cameron Scadaboo joining us here on uh, the Big Sky Breakdown, SkylineSportsMT.com. How about Incarnate Word then? I mean, they, they come to town with a, a high-powered offense, and uh, they definitely have put up a ton of points and, and been very good all year long. Uh, that's what's been still in all the headlines. How about the other side, though? I mean, what do you see from your offensive perspective? What's their defense look like? They're good. They're I mean, they're a top 18 for a reason film doesn't always tell you everything about a team um so you never really know until you see them in person and you start playing against them that's why a lot of these big games come to who can make the halftime adjustments um not you don't always see i mean they have a game plan just like we have a game plan but their game plan could be different than what we plan for so i mean whoever prepares better and whoever has more success in their preparation i think I think that will be the big key to the next three games here in the playoffs, especially going into the national championship. Well, then what's it going to take? I mean, what what is uh, your guys' mindset going into this game against Incarnate Word, and uh, what do you think will be the keys for you guys to, to stay alive and keep on moving on? I mean, we have to play our brand of football. Uh, we play fast, we play physical. Um, we can run and throw the ball. And I mean, it's not – we got a two-quarterback system. So, I mean, it could – take almost everything we have in our offense to beat this team and our defense I hope they can stand strong and I believe in those guys and I trust those guys so Sacramento State we're on our we're on our way up so um, I can't I just can't wait to see how our defense plays and how our offense executes and it's going to be a fun game to watch for sure. Well, last thing for you, then I, uh, I I mentioned that you were the Big Sky Conference Offensive Player of the Year, and uh, you're a humble guy, but that, that must have felt pretty good. So, I mean, what did you think when you first heard that uh, you won that award? You know, it was it was pretty cool. Um, the first call I got was from my dad, of course, telling me nice. congratulations, that he's proud of me. But, I mean, there's tons of dudes in the Big Sky Conference that are really good offense players, and for me to come out on top of all that is was pretty cool, and it was a good feeling. But, you know, there's never I'm never satisfied. Even winning that award, I feel like there's still more out there for me, and I want to keep working hard and hopefully put on for, put on for my city and Sacramento and keep – keep grinding away and I want to bring this this city and this town a national championship hopefully. Sac State plays Incarnate Word in the quarterfinals of the FCS playoffs. They'll take place there Friday night at Hornet Stadium. 
three of the four FCS playoff games this weekend are on Friday, including both of the, the uh, games involving Big Sky Conference teams. Cameron Scadaboo joining us here uh, on the Big Sky Breakdown, running back for the Sac State Hornets. Cameron, appreciate it, man. Best of luck uh, this weekend, and uh, we'll catch up with you down the road, but thanks so much for taking some time today. Yeah, thank you, guys. I appreciate it. Hey guys, Ryan Tutel here for SkylineSportsMT.com. You know, when we brought Coulter on a year ago, it was a huge boost to ESPN Radio because no one knows more about the Grizz and Cats than he does. But Coulter is a journalist first and started Skyline Sports to cover the Big Sky explicitly full-time with no corporate interference. Just the sports teams and people you care about unfiltered. I'm in the sports media, I understand the landscape, and I can tell you, there is simply no better sports journalism done in the state of Montana than that of Skyline Sports. Improve your habits. Go to SkylineSportsMT.com. Blackfoot Communications continues to lift up our local entrepreneurs, delivering the resources needed to transform ideas into businesses. Our C2M beta program was founded with the mission to connect local entrepreneurs to more. With access to more professional expertise, more state-of-the-art technology, and more development resources, our 12-week program delivers the foundational and modern skills required to transform influential ideas into thriving businesses. Apply today at goblackfoot.com slash apply. Well, time now for our Montana State Minute here on ESPN Radio, and we're happy to welcome in a guy who's joined us several times before, but it's been a really, really long time. It's Isaiah Fonse. He's a senior All-American running back at Montana State and back in the fold for the first time in a long time. Isaiah, good to hear from you, man. Glad to see you back on the field on Saturday. How you doing? I'm doing great. Thank you for having me on your show. First and foremost, I mean, let's just talk about the weight. I mean, you guys had such a great run last year, and then you had such a great offseason into summer into this year, but you haven't gotten a chance to actually play in a game until Saturday. So just take us through it. I mean, what was it like trying to wait and watch and, you know, get healthy? And then what was it like being back on the field on Saturday? The way it was definitely hard watching for the past, I want to say, was it 11 games? Is it week 11 now? I think I think you missed 11 but, games, yeah. Yeah, so it was tough watching the 11 games and whatnot, but with each month I got closer to being healthy, and I just kind of stuck to the plan. I tried to do everything right, so this past weekend was fun. It was exciting being out there with the guys again, but now it's on to William & Mary. Uh, obviously, you had one of the best seats in the house for the regular season run, so uh, take us through it. I mean, what was it like watching your teammates? Uh, this was an incredibly fun team to watch, from my personal opinion. So what did you think of, of just watching the Bobcats during the regular season? It was awesome. There was a lot of yards that were gained on the ground. It was fun uh, helping the running backs, the other running backs in the room with whatever they needed help with. And um, honestly, it was just fun. Just being around the guys helped me a lot throughout the time that I wasn't playing. Isaiah Fonte back in the fold at Montana State. He's joining us here on the Montana State Minute. Uh, just from a physical standpoint, what was the most challenging part? And also, what did you think you gained from it? Because just evaluating you, watching you on Saturday, you look like you're in great shape. It looked like you you didn't lose any explosiveness at all, maybe even a touch faster. So uh, what, what was maybe the biggest challenges of the rehab, but also did it help you at all? Um, probably the biggest challenge of the rehab was um, the part of just kind of like I wasn't able to run, but I felt like I was ready to run. So waiting the month and a half to get cleared for that was definitely challenging. What helped me the most or what I saw the most when I was not playing was just like reading the outside zone. There was a lot of mental reps that I took, whether it was at practice or in games, which helped me for Saturday. Yeah, I mean, talk about that part because you guys ran so much inside zone last year. You are so good at that, and I know you came out of an option offense uh, in high school too during your days back there at Bellevue. So what are the biggest differences of the outside zone and how would you pick it up so quick? 
with inside zone, everything's more downhill. It's more, um, I would say, like, you just really have one true read. With outside zone, you can kind of play with it, and you can kind of set up where you want to go. When I first came back during the bye week, I was messing up a little bit, but I sat down with Coach Bill. He helped me out, and um, I was able to get comfortable relatively fast in running the outside zone for the game on Saturday. When it comes to the actual action on Saturday, Montana State, a 33-25 win over Weber State. A great football game. I thought both sides played really hard. Two really good teams going at it. In your mind, Isaiah, what, what was able? Uh, what were you guys able to do to close that thing out? We were just able to run our base stuff really well. And then towards the end, we kind of realized that the offense had to finish the game. So we had um, Sean out there, and we were just running our stuff. And he was a phenomenal runner, hard to tackle. Hard to bring down, so it was fun watching him close the game out for us. Isaiah Fonte here on the Montana State Minute. He's a senior running back there for the MSU Bobcats. They're into the quarterfinals for the third consecutive year. Uh, how about the offensive likes? I think they've gotten a ton of shine this year, but they totally deserve it because I think there was a lot of questions about them coming into the year, and they've been they've been awesome. They've been tremendous. So, what have you thought of their performance? I thought that they've been awesome. Every day they they bring max effort to practice and on games they bring max effort. So I'm just thankful that. I have a chance to be on the field and play with them for the end of the season. Well, I know that as we sit here recording this, this is only on a Monday, so you probably haven't had much opportunity to look at William and Mary, the team that comes to Bozeman on Friday. But if you have seen anything out of the tribe so far, what have you seen and what can you tell us about your opponent on Friday night? I would say that William Mary, they're a senior-heavy defense. They're they're fast flow to the ball, and they all play with relentless effort. So I think the matchup on Friday is going to be a good one. Well, you guys now uh, are familiar with the playoffs. I know that uh, when you first came to Montana State, you're sort of on the the middle end of a rebuild, but you guys now have been in the playoffs for uh, four years in a row and into into the quarterfinals for the third year in a row. So uh, how does that experience help you, just kind of knowing what to expect in in these big-time playoff games? Um, it definitely takes some of the pressure off being in the playoffs for X amount of years, four years like we have. Having another game at home definitely benefits us. I feel like all of us are going to be comfortable out there. I'm excited to go on Friday. Well, the other news with you not only being back in the fold, but uh, now if you guys do make a run all the way to the national championship game, you'll still have only played four games. So you'll be able to uh, come back uh, a year from now. So, I mean, is that the plan? And if so, I mean, what what's uh, what has you interested and in, in, uh wanting to come back to Montana State for another season. Uh, yes, sir, that's the plan. Um, I think that a big part of why I chose to come back was just because I wanted to play another full year. And then, obviously, the no-brainer is the offensive line. I think that we're returning the entire offensive line. So this is their first year kind of meshing together, and you got, like you already see the success that they have. So next year should be even better. Montana State. Friday night, under the lights at Bobcat Stadium, 8.15 p.m. local time kick against William & Mary, the champions of the Colonial Athletic Association. Isaiah Fonse, senior running back for the Bobcats, joining us. Uh, Last couple things for you, man. What do you think about playing under the lights on Friday night on ESPN2? It's going to feel just like high school all over again. We're going to have some Friday night lights. I love that. That's going to be so sweet, and uh, it's going to be real cold, and those boys from Williamsburg, Virginia, I don't know if they're going to be ready uh, for the Bozeman uh, freezing that's going to be on Friday night. Uh, last thing for you, then, man, what do you think of the keys to the game for you guys uh, if you guys are going to come out with a win, move on to the Final Four for the third year in a row? Um, the keys to victory, I would say just sticking to our plan, sticking to our base plan, playing with relentless effort, and then 
yeah, that's pretty much it. Just playing with the relentless effort. There you go. Isaiah Fonte back in the fold. Senior running back for the Bobcats. They host William and Mary Friday nights our Montana State Minute presented by J&V Restaurant Supply. Isaiah, wonderful to talk to you, man. Glad you're back healthy. I know it was a long road, but congratulations on getting back and the best of luck on Friday night. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. Whether you're in the restaurant business or you just want to host any big event, JMV Restaurant Supply can make sure you have everything you need. JMV Restaurant Supply is your home for everything kitchen. Whether you're a bear or a bobcat, an eagle or a Scotty, JMV Restaurant has everything you might need. They have locations in Bozeman, Billings, and Great Falls. If you can't make it in, JMV also has a great website, jvrestaurant.com. Get everything you need for your next event at JMV, your restaurant specialist. Join Town Pump's Pump It Up Rewards Plus program and never pay full price for fuel again. Save five cents on every gallon every day at any Town Pump across Montana. Plus, earn and redeem points on your favorite in-store items to get free stuff with our clubs. Stop in and pick up a rewards card. Download the Pump It Up Rewards Plus app today. Or visit townpump.com slash rewards to register and start saving. All right, it's time for our first look at Friday night's Bobcat game. It's brought to you by First Security Bank. Coulter Nuan is joining us from Skyline Sports. And off the top here, Coulter, we're playing on a Friday night. Uh, and I get money, TV, all that good stuff. But why would they schedule a Montana game on a Friday night in the middle of winter and give Sacramento State a game on a Saturday? Which I, I'm guessing their game's probably in the afternoon on Saturday. That's right. That's right. Yeah, it's, uh, I mean, you know, it's sports entertainment, right? They 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 want ESPN. By the way, thanks for having me, Dave. Uh, the ESPN National and, and any TV broadcast, really, they want the biggest, the biggest spectacle. And what's a bigger spectacle than after dark, December, Friday night, under the Bobcat Stadium lights, single-digit temperatures, a team from Williamsburg, Virginia. I mean, shoot, me and you could do the color commentary for this game easy. You know, the prep is already done. How do the boys from Virginia not freeze to death? How do the kids from Montana soak it up? I, they they love it for the story. They also just want it to be on, uh, you know, they want it to be the last game on TV so that as many people can watch it. By Friday night, 8-15, everybody else will be done playing. So uh, hopefully there will be a lot of eyes on it you know i mean i don't know i think there's a double-edged sword to all these these deals and the night games and all that but uh, i think it'll be a good display at least for uh, montana state bobcat stadium and uh, and the big sky conference well we definitely have a home field advantage i would say no question and i mean that's the thing is you know you never want to say that uh, games are foregone conclusions but in the FCS playoffs, winning on the road is incredibly, incredibly hard. I would say that the home teams win about 95% of the time. I mean, for, for all of the success North Dakota State's had over the last 10 years, guess how many road games they've won? None, because they haven't had to play any road games. They haven't had to go on the road in the playoffs since 2010. So if they... Uh, if the seeds hold this year, then NDSU will have to go on the road. But, I mean, the Bobcats, when they won at Sam Houston last year, that was the first time they've ever won on the road in the FCS playoffs. Montana, the Grizzlies, they've only ever won one road playoff game as well. So, um, and you look at the bracket. I mean, what happened last week? Every single home team won. The seeds completely held across the board, one through eight. So, 
Now we basically got chalk here in the quarterfinals of the FCS playoffs. So, uh, you know, and then, and then you add in a team from Williamsburg, Virginia, that's coming to Bozeman, Montana on a short week and uh, late game and all those things. And, you know, home field advantage is going to be profound, not only in Bozeman, but across the rest of the country uh, here in the quarterfinal round. Who is William and Mary? Like, what, what can you tell us about them? Well, William and Mary from Williamsburg, Virginia, they're uh, just south of D.C., and they are actually the uh, the longest-standing university uh, in the United States of America. It was founded in uh, 1693, uh, so... I think that it's it's there's a lot of debate between whether uh, it's the oldest or the second oldest, depending on when you consider Harvard opened. But uh, you know, it, it's a place where, because of its location and because of its how old it is, a place where many many prestigious um, former American leaders and politicians got their educations. I mean, for example, Thomas Jefferson has his degree from William and Mary, James Monroe, John Tyler. I mean, many uh, American presidents have their their degrees from William and Mary, but they also have uh, a good a football tradition. I mean, they also have some uh, quite a coaching cradle there from uh, William and Mary. I mean, Mike Tomlin is the head coach of the the Pittsburgh Steelers. He is a William and Mary alum as well. So uh, it's a super old school from a super uh, old part of the country with a ton, a ton, a ton of tradition. But from a pure football standpoint, the, their head coach, Mike London, is a name that, that people around Montana might recognize because Mike London was the head coach of the Richmond Spiders when they won the 2008 National Championship, and they beat the Montana Grizzlies that uh, National Championship uh, weekend back uh, 14, 15 years ago. Mike London then went on to coach at Virginia uh, in the uh, ACC and then now uh, has been back at uh, William & Mary for a couple years, and he's got the tribe rolling a little bit. So, um I mean, this is four versus five. I mean, these are two of the five best teams in the country playing at Bobcat Stadium, so it should be a hell of a game on Friday. So William and Mary and Weber State, who who do you think is better in that game? That's a very interesting question. I think that uh, different styles for sure. Weber is really, really good on defense, although they didn't look that I – mean, they looked pretty average on defense against the, against the Bobcats both times this year. I mean, shoot – Weber stuffed the run against everybody and then gave up 347 and 388, respectively, in the run game in the two games they played MSU. So I think that shows you more than anything just how much, uh, how well MSU can run the ball. Uh, William and Mary has a really good quarterback and a really explosive offense. The quarterback's a dual threat. He can run uh, all over the place. And uh, the Colonial Athletic Association is a good league, a deep league. It's certainly a power league in the uh, FCS. I don't think it's quite on par with the big sky, but I think it is right there with the Missouri Valley Football Conference. Uh, those are probably the big three in the uh, in the FCS in terms of conference rankings. So, um, I th- I, you know, just to answer your question, I think it's a, I think it's a coin flip. I think that uh, William & Mary and, and uh, Weber State would be a very good game, just like I think Montana State and William & Mary would be a very good game. Yeah, so this isn't a mail-in game for the Bobcats by any stretch. Oh, no. Uh, you know, I mean, I think that uh, this this game, the sort of the setting of this game and, and the timing of it kind of reminds me of 2019 when Austin P came to town. But Austin P had uh, got a big upset. They had bounced Sacramento State that year. And so they were a really overmatched team from the, uh, the Ohio Valley. But that was still a, a tough game. Montana State won that one, I think, 24-6. to But William & Mary, I think, that was I think will be – uh, wasn't it? 
a lot more of a, a peer opponent to, to Montana State on Friday night. Huh. I tell you, though, man, with our running game, I tell you, because, I, I mean, look at Weber State. You just mentioned there's no way when they were coming back to Bozeman last week they thought, we're going to give up another, you know, 300-plus yards in rushing. They're like, that would, that'll never happen, and it did. It's been truly stunning to be at Bobcat Stadium twice in the last uh, three weeks in post-game press conferences and hear Bobby Houck, University of Montana head coach, and Jay Hill, Weber State's head coach, two of the great head coaches that the league has seen in the 21st century, two of the great defensive minds that the league has ever seen, to hear both of those guys sit up in front of, uh, in front of all the media and say exactly the same thing. We know they were going to run it. They know they were going to run it. Everybody in the stadium knows they're going to run it. They don't even try to throw it. We couldn't stop it. It's just stunning to hear those guys say that. Like I've never seen anything like this. Because, uh, I mean, we've clearly staked out our game plan. We're going to run. We're going to run it, and we're gonna, and you're not going to stop us. And it hasn't happened yet. For sure. And, and I, think that that, I think there's a, a couple factors there. I think that, first of all, the creativity in the run game is such a huge part of it. I think Brent Vegan and Taylor Housewright, the offensive coordinator, deserve so much credit because although the stuff that they're doing in the run game is very similar week after week in terms of after the snap, before the snap, they got defenders head spinning because they run so many formations. I mean, it's a credit to how smart of a team Montana State is because – I mean, my goodness, man, they must run a hundred different pre-snap formations. You never, there's no tell on what's coming. And then it's just a crazy motion before the snap, and then boom, they hit you in the face over and over again. And I think that's one factor. Uh, I also think that their offensive line is truly a, a elite from what you'd want a modern offensive line to be. They're not big at all. They're just fast, athletic. When you look at them, not very many of them are very you know, paunchy guys, they're all fit and not that heavy for, you know, how big they are, you know, how tall they are. And they look like a way more athletic, sleek group. I think that's a part of it. But I think that the number one factor that maybe people overlook is that Tommy Mallott is still coming along as a a passer of the football. But there's a lot of different ways that you can have, quote-unquote, ball skills that don't have to do with throwing it. And that's where I think Tommy Mallott is absolutely the best in the United States of America, and you might actually even argue that he's the best at it in the country, period, not just at the FCS level, in terms of his ball skills when he's just moving it you know, in and out of the mesh, his ability to you know, get guys out on the perimeter. I mean, he, he, can, he can keep it, he can throw it, he can hand it off, he can pitch it. His skill with the ball in deceiving the defense is second to none. It's as good as I have ever seen before, and I think that's another reason why they just keep uh, – defense's head spinning so if you talk to the coaches i was thinking of this when i was watching the game last week watching Malat when they recruited him and they brought him to montana state were they thinking hey he's gonna be we want him to run the ball 20 times a game or you know because did they know this about him or did they recruit him as hey he can pass and then yeah he's quick and he can run a little bit too but this whole offense seems to be built around him to run it's true, and uh, you know I do think that they they tried to run or they tried to throw with him quite a bit in the mid part of the season. And uh, you know the thing is, it's not that they can't throw the ball; they still can throw the ball decently well and sometimes very well. It's that they just don't need to. I mean, when you're averaging seven yards a carry, you're never in yeah. third down and long. 
you just keep on running it. I mean, they get it into third and two if they ever even get to third down, and then you just run the quarterback. That's what you do. But, you know, to answer your question, I think Tommy Mullott was a great dual threat at Butte High School. He threw the ball incredibly well there. One of the great passers the state has seen and also just such a great runner as well. When they brought him in, I think that they knew they had a phenomenal athlete on their hands, first and foremost. I mean, a guy that, I mean, at Dane Fletcher's high school combine, when Tommy Mullott was a junior in high school, he was running like a 4-5-40. That was when he was like 16 years old. So, I mean, he's definitely one of the fastest guys in the league and in the country for sure at this level. And the other thing is, you know, I hear a lot of haters say, well, Tommy Mullott's just a glorified running back. All they do is snap him the ball and he's a glorified running back. Well, guess what? In college football, that's the biggest advantage that you can have because you talk about the plus one run game. Usually when the quarterback hands the ball off to the running back, now the defense is going 11 on 10 because the quarterback's out of the play. He's not blocking anybody. He doesn't have the ball. He's out of the play. The plus one run game is the greatest equalizer we've seen in innovations of offenses in college football. Time a lot is the plus one. He gives you an enormous advantage because now all of a sudden you can outnumber the defense in the box. And if they don't bring another guy down into the box, you are going to win every time. And that's why Montana State whipped the Grizzlies because they refused to bring somebody down in the box. And Montana State just said, okay, you're not going to bring another guy in the box? Awesome. We're going to run for 500 yards against you. So, uh, you know, I, I do think that they've done a great job. I think that the thing, Dave, that, that, that caused all this to happen is I think Montana State brought Tommy Mallott in as a guy they thought could be a very diverse athlete that could play a bunch of different roles within their football program. Then when they saw how great of a leader Tommy Mallott was, I think they thought to themselves, this guy's got to be our quarterback, and even if he's only up and down throwing the ball, we got to build an offense around him because he's the best leader we got. And I think that's exactly what they've done, and I think everybody in the organization deserves a ton of credit. Very similar to uh, to Troy Anderson in that you know he certainly doesn't have the body size, but just pure athleticism. It's like Troy Anderson. Yeah, I mean Troy Anderson has way better top end speed, and he's so so explosive. I mean, and I don't mean that against Tommy Mallott. Troy Anderson's faster than everybody. I mean, he's the fastest person I've ever seen play sports in Montana. So, <laughs> I mean, when he got up at the NFL combine and ran four four flat, I was like, oh yeah, that's right. He's one of the fastest people on the earth. So, uh, anyways, though, I think that Tommy Mallott, um, Tommy Mallott actually probably has better open field vision, better ball skills, better instincts, and he's better between the tackles than Troy Anderson. And that's crazy to say because Troy was definitely one of the most intimidating guys to ever carry the ball at the FCS level. But uh, Tommy Mallott, he's more, way more of a natural uh, when it comes to all that stuff. And he doesn't have much size. No, I mean, he's only about 6 feet, 205 pounds. He's very compact. He's very strong. Uh, but, no, I mean, he's not 6'4", 245 like Troy Anderson, that's for sure. No. He's not going to run over you, but he that's another thing, too, with our running game. It seems like we don't have a traditional running game, and then you, you have two backs and you just hand it off, you go off tackle, you know, you go. Like, we, we do a lot of slicing runs, it seems like, and a lot of movement. Outside zone, baby, that's been the biggest change they've made. They were an inside zone team last year. They ran outside zone now. When you have outside zone principles and you run the zone read option all the time, I, I mean, it's just a nightmare. I cannot imagine what it would be like to prepare for Montana State especially if you're a team like William and Mary that has never seen them before. I mean, you would just be banging your head against the wall if you're the defensive coaches because not only do you, all this stuff we've already talked about, but then you talk about that they have seven guys that can get the ball in the run game that are elite at it. And then they have two quarterbacks, and they can play those quarterbacks at the same time. So, you know, I mean, I don't know how you, you find a way to stop it. I really don't. 
Yeah. Well, it'll be interesting if we can keep it going, hopefully. Uh, last question for you. On the other side of the ball in the defense, if, I feel like we're really vulnerable on the passing game. Uh, well, I was surprised that Weaver didn't pass more. Yeah, I think that uh, I think Montana State knocking out Bronson Barron was a key in that game because we were ready to go with their backup quarterback. And uh, Khaled Weiser was good, actually. He actually looked pretty pretty dang good in terms of maybe a quarterback of the future for Weaver. But, um, you know, the Cats have definitely – they left their guys on islands on the outside uh, in the defensive secondary, and that's caused them to be vulnerable against the pass. But I do think that the, the pass rush is coming along. Brody Greeby's uh, – being back to Brody Gruby being back to full health or at least partial health helps them a lot. And uh, I think that'll actually be a key to the game because William and Mary have proven that they can throw it. They're good at throwing the ball. And uh, we'll see. We'll see if uh, Montana State can. Here's the thing, though, is Montana State is so reconciled to their formula and their formula is so perfect when they execute it. They don't care what kind of yards they give up defensively. They don't even really care what kind of points they give up defensively. They know if they force more turnovers than they commit and they run the ball for more yards than you do, they're going to win. It's like a perfect formula. And so I think that's why they they do take some risks defensively. And uh, they've been blitzing a little more. They've been playing a ton of man on the outside. I think it's because they know we're just going to outrun you. And uh, if we just take care of the ball and you don't, we're going to win. And so uh, if they can maintain that formula, they're going to be a tough out this week and moving forward. All right, it's Coulter Nuanez with our first look at the Bobcat game on Friday night against William & Mary. It's brought to you by First Security Bank. Uh, tell us what you got on the website this week. Uh, fun stuff this week. You got another uh, podcast up with Ty Gregorak and Brooks Nuanez breaking down all things Big Sky Conference. A crazy coaching carousel going on right now in the Big Sky with uh, Idaho State having a coaching opening still. Cal Poly having an opening and a closing all in the span of a week with Bo Baldwin headed to Arizona State and Paul Wolf taking over there. Uh, Weber State lost their head coach uh, just in, in the last couple of days as Jay Hill went to BYU. So we talk all about that kind of stuff with both Brooks and Ty and also break down uh, the season that was for the Grizzlies and the season that's still going for the Bobcats. And uh, we also have some features, including a feature about Isaiah Fonse, who's back in the fold, one of the best running backs in the country. And uh, he looks as good as ever. At least he did last last week against uh, Weber State. So a uh, ton of stuff up there. SkylineSportsMT.com. Go check it out. Yeah, there wasn't much rust on Isaiah, was there? Man, he looked great. He looked faster than he's ever looked before. It's crazy. Yeah, I yeah, that was that was a nice surprise. All right, Coulter Nuan is Skyline Sports. We'll uh, hopefully we'll be doing this again next week. Hey, thanks for having me, and thanks for everybody for listening. Blackfoot Communications just launched new business services delivering big value to smaller firms. With reliable voice, fast internet, business-grade Wi-Fi, and around-the-clock support, Blackfoot ensures you remain connected to your customers, employees, and communities throughout the day, every day. For more information, go to blackfootsmallbusiness.com. Connect to more with Blackfoot Communications. Just one Big Sky Conference football team from Montana remains alive in the FCS playoffs, and they play Friday night under the Bobcat Stadium lights. Hello, I'm Coulter Nuanez. We will be broadcasting to you live from Bozeman from the Rockin' R Bar leading up to Montana State's quarterfinal football game against William & Mary. Come hang out with us. We'll have great guests like Brent Vegan and Ty Gregorak joining us. Nuanez now live from the Rockin' R Bar, 4 to 6 p.m. on Friday, December 9th. The Rockin' R Bar, located at 211 West Main Street, Bozeman's local hotspot.